0: Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. I'm Kwame Christian. I'm a business lawyer by trade, but my passion lies in teaching you the keys of persuasion and conflict resolution. My goal is to empower you to engage in these conversations confidently and effectively by not only sharing what works, but by also uncovering why these techniques work through revealing the psychological principles that lie behind persuasion. This podcast is brought to you by the American Negotiation Institute, where we put on workshops that are designed to make your difficult conversations easier. These leadership workshops focus on conflict management and negotiation and will give you the confidence you need to get more of what you want without jeopardizing relationships. Check out the link in the description if you're interested in learning more. Our guest today is Jessica Pettit. Jessica works with organizations that want to have tough conversations. And in today's episode, she's going to teach us how we can listen more effectively and not just listen strategically, but also listen in a way that allows us to foster true connection with the other party. I know you're going to get a lot out of this one. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Jessica, thanks for joining us today.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Now it's my pleasure. We are excited to have you here to talk about listening, which is probably the greatest oversight in negotiation podcast history. So thanks for coming.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: (laughs) I see what you did there. That's nice. So how about we start off by telling the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Sure. So I worked as a college administrator for a number of years, primarily around identity development And actually, I would say used negotiation skills when trying to navigate under-resourced, underfunded offices and reaching out to other offices or other organizations that had more resources or more funding. I started my own speaking and consulting business, which now, 15 years later, I'm an author, a speaker, etc. But I find listening to be one of the most powerful skills that We don't even intentionally overlook. It's not as sexy as the other ones, but it is by far one of the most powerful ones when negotiating resources, relationships, difference, identity, etc.
0: I love this. This is good. And now I know for the audience, we don't really need to sell them too much on the benefits of listening. I think those are pretty obvious, but I think it might be more interesting to talk about why we are worse at listening than we think we are.
1: Well, largely it's because we think we already know the answers, right? So one of the things that I talk about is there's a difference between hearing and listening, and I think we've all heard that, but there's a difference between making a connection and having a conversation. And so I think the benevolence in us thinks that if we're just having a conversation, then I say my piece and I wait my turn. Sometimes I don't wait my turn, but look, see, we're successfully having a conversation, but it takes a lot of courage and vulnerability to actually make a connection with someone, whether you're gonna see them again and again and again, or maybe that's the only time you're ever gonna see them. It's a very different thing and involves listening.
0: Okay, and so what I'm hearing now is that the goal with listening is to, or one of the goals, is to create a connection, is that right? Absolutely. And what do you mean by connection?
1: Let's take somebody that you're probably not going to see again. So let's take a a barista in between your landing gate and your departing gate during a very tight connection, but you have just enough time to grab a cup of coffee. In that moment, there's a human who's helping you pay for the coffee, make the coffee, give you the coffee. So when I talk about uh, the difference between hearing and listening, if the person at the barista is like, hello, my name is Tanya." And you start off with, hi, Venti soy Chai. You're not actually listening. They're attempting to engage you in a conversation, even if it's a script. You have interrupted their introduction and their name to give them your order. Now, maybe it's because you're in a hurry, but you're certainly not listening. You're playing the script out of that. Here's my order. That is one, not listening. That's really not even hearing. But it's not a conversation, Because when you've interrupted someone doing that, even if it's part of an inauthentic script, they get the message that you are not interested in listening or having a conversation. So they just want you to move along as well. So to me, that's a really powerful missed opportunity for a connection. And what I mean by that is, is that the barista can say, "Hi, my name is Tanya," and I can say, "Hi, my name is Jessica. How's your day going?" And sometimes they're like, yeah, keep it moving, lady. What's your drink? I got to (laughs) go. You're not entitled to a connection. But in that moment, I broke the script. Both my script and their script, we probably made eye contact. And then if they opt into a connection, they can say, like, it's been pretty busy today. And for me, I can imagine I used to be a barista. Like, what would it be like to be a barista in an airport where you don't really have regulars? But the connection is letting the human know I see them, and then it gives them a chance to let me know that I'm seen too, instead of just being another person in line.
0: And now let me play devil's advocate, because I can hear some of the hard-charging business folks in the audience saying, well, I mean, that makes sense, but why? Let's play devil's advocate and break it down. Why is there value in creating this level of connection and not just focusing on getting what we want out of the conversation?
1: Right. Like you don't do it because you get like free pumps of vanilla in your chai. That's not why you do it. I think why you do it is that it is never wrong for someone to feel like they exist in your world. So like in sales 101, they always say, A person's name is the most recognized sound. So part of that is validating that that person exists. And so if you're kind of a schmoozy salesperson who's dropping name all the time to pretend to make a connection, what would happen if you actually slowed that down just enough and actually made eye contact and actually shut your face long enough to actually listen to what the other person has to say? So... I know under the guise of negotiations, one of the things I think is the most underused, underrated first step of a really successful negotiation or sales moment is listening and observing the person that you're about to engage with. And if you've decided we're going to have a connection, which I think is also rooted in like loyalty and respect, so not just one-shot clients, but potentially long-term relationship-building connections, you're going to do this by this moment is going to be an intentional conversation, then the step that I think you have to do that most of us don't do is observe and pay attention to the person we're about to connect with to find out where they're at. Allow them to enter the conversation, and then you follow. Some people I can hear say, well, that's not initiating. But initiating by giving someone eye contact and listening to them, you're still the alpha there, right? You're still the A. The B still has to respond, and it might be subtle body language, it might be words, it might be an exchange, but if you, as the salesperson, the one who's taking the lead in the negotiation, listens to them as if they are wise, as if they have something to actually teach or give you to improve the negotiation, you've slowed down enough and let them respond to you creating that negotiation space.
0: Absolutely. These are really great points. And I think another kind of hidden benefit to taking the time to listen and make a connection and actually observe people in this way, even in these short transactional conversations like the one that you gave in uh, the airport where you don't think you'll ever see the person again. Even if you don't think you will ever see the person again, there is still value for you, if you want to look at it selfishly, in just practicing having these conversations in a meaningful way because then it becomes habitual. So it's not a situation where, yeah, typically I'm a transactional person who doesn't care what people say and now I need to actually create a connection when it matters. If you actually take the time to create human, meaningful human connection and listen effectively in every single one of our interactions, it will make us better negotiators in difficult conversations when the time comes. And that's what really matters because it'll be a lot easier for us to bring those skills to the fore when it matters when you've actually been practicing and creating that habit we are now offering conflict management and negotiation workshops for companies. If you like the content here and you think your team would benefit from getting a customized seminar, then all you need to do is email me or go to the American Negotiation Institute's website to learn more. And now back to the show.
1: Absolutely. And not to mention if you're in an airport or travel for a living, it's a lonely, lonely job. You're surrounded by people all the time and you're alone and the best way to feel connected is to help someone else feel connected really selfishly is you start realizing that there's other human beings on the planet and you're not alone anymore. So the habit of practicing the skills, the payoff is that you are also connected to humanity in some way, not to get super woo woo, but if <laughs> you are grounded and connected, you're going to be a much better, much more effective sales negotiator. Because you're not coming off of yet another Best Western in yesterday's shirt.
0: Exactly. And so now for the listeners, they might be saying, okay, I'm sold. Now I want to make connections and now I want to listen effectively. How do I do that besides simply opening up my ears? What is the actual process?
1: The ugly part is not just opening your ears, but it's noticing when you're more likely to open your ears and when you're more likely to start talking. I think sometimes doing this in a physical sense is really challenging. So I flip it to social media. So when are you more likely to look at a post and read the comments without typing? And some people, depending on the topic, it doesn't take much. You just immediately start typing. So slow down. Look at the comments that have already been said. There's a possibility that whatever it is you think you're about to type has already been stated and has already been commented and replied to. So now you can add and contribute to that connection of that conversation instead of looking like some dork who saw something, got all fired up and started typing without realizing, yeah, we were there like three hours ago. Thanks for joining the conversation. Join the conversation. That's a connection. Once you realize that, okay, I've listened, I've observed. Now I have something to say intentionally forming a message is important. Don't just talk off the cuff. Specifically when we're talking about sales and negotiation, there's an outcome that you're trying to get to and you get yourself and we all have done this. We have all gotten ourselves in trouble by over promising or interrupting or making assumptions or saying something without intentionally forming a message and then really figuring out what you intend the meaning of that message to be And then put it outside of your face. When you've said things that you have to backpedal or you have to figure out how to do something or possibly, heaven forbid, manipulate the conversation so that the person didn't hear it or (laughs) understood or something, that's your fault. That's my fault. So part of listening is also paying attention to what am I going to try and say and what is the intentional meaning of the message I'm going to say. So you're listening to the other person first and then you're listening to yourself.
0: This is incredibly disheartening because I was <laughs> I was here hoping for an easy answer and everything that you've described seems incredibly painful to do. And but you're absolutely right. I'm thinking about even in again, like I think about these conversations just in everyday social interactions as practice for the conversations that matter. Yesterday I was talking to my mom and she was talking about the royal wedding, which I think is just absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why people care about it, and it just annoys me to no end. She said, oh, Kwame, did you hear about the royal wedding? And I immediately rolled my eyes, because I thought I knew where the conversation was going to go, and I already had my opinion set and ready to go. She saw the eye roll, and she said, wait, 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 Kwame, I just want to let you know, the conductor of the orchestra that was playing is of Guyanese descent, and we're Guyanese. So that was a good thing. I like national pride. I love my country. That's great. But I would have potentially missed out on that gem if I would have just went and attacked <laughs> the the relevance of this wedding to my life. And I think about it then when you consider it in the context of an actual business conversation where, like you said, you mentioned this earlier in the conversation, when we think we know the answer, we stop listening and we start formulating our response and we miss the gold that's behind it. And during that whole time, we might not be talking And like you said, listening isn't just lack of talking. We are sitting there not connecting with the other person and we are formulating our own response, which makes us worse people in general, but also worse negotiators and less persuasive. And people can notice that and they can see it not only in what you say, but also in your body language as well.
1: Absolutely, and you are doing a really great example of where most listening conversations stop because you're missing the connection piece. When your mother brought up the royal wedding, she was not fact-checking your knowledge of the wedding. She was trying to connect with you about Guyanese pride, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So you like, oh, the wedding, right? Totally get you. I'm there too. And it wasn't about the exchange of information. It was about having a moment with your mother and your mother having a moment with her son about the visibility of the conductor being a Guyanese descent. Does that make sense? Absolutely. The listening often is an exchange of information. That's actually kind of lowercase hearing, right? We call it listening, but really we're just hearing. But the connection piece isn't just about the exchange of facts. It's about that moment of like, yeah, that's amazing. the connection that you made with your mother there wasn't directly derived from the script. And mm-hmm. that connection piece is what you had before that conversation took place. And that connection piece is what you have after the conversation takes place. And we're responsible for the impact of the messages that we're sending to one another. So, you, I mean, you didn't roll your eyes at your relationship with your mother, You rolled your eyes at the absurdity of people making a big deal about this wedding, right? Do you see that? Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. And I can see that from the other side, she might think that possibly maybe I was rolling my eyes at my mother. You know, and maybe she felt that way. And that's, like you said, it's on me. I would
1: recommend not doing that.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Now, let's get a little bit selfish for a little bit, because a lot of the listeners tune in so they could say, hey, all right, how do I get more of what I want? So how can we listen effectively, but at the same time, use our listening abilities as a persuasive tool?
1: Let's start with the persuasion tool. So I think what happens is deeply rooted in our sense of responsibility to this connection, and that the other person, whether conscious or unconscious of it, feels that, and then you become elevated, or I can't think of the opposite word of elevate, not <laughs> <You either become laughs> elevated or not of the their go to person. So for example, there's a my distribution center that does all of my books and all of my products, etc. So Jason was the, the my rep, Well, Jason has been promoted, like, six times and is now, like, the director of Fancy Pants, right, since in the decade that I've worked with this company. So the person that is my contact now was not Jason, and I think it's fascinating that the new person, I don't really know what he could do, but he is never going to be Jason, But when we talk, when we communicate, when he's selling me new products or when we're negotiating prices or things like that, I don't feel a connection with him. I feel like one of his customers, and I don't want to feel like a customer. Jason made me feel like a family member. So even though Jason is no longer in that job, I'm critical of my new person that I'm supposed to be talking to because he doesn't make me feel important. And so there are times where I will reach out to Jason with his new fancy email and say, I know that I'm not supposed to be contacting you for this anymore, but I like working with you better. Like, I miss you being my customer representative person. I have brought clients to the current customer person and warned them about their personality, and they've had a good time, they've had a good experience with the new person, And Jason is smart and knows that I'm doing that. So Jason still services my account occasionally or butts in when he needs to, when I don't feel like things are going as he would do. And new clients are still coming in because I talk about businesses I work with when I like them. Now, what's selfish about that from a sales point of view is that you have limited time and endless amounts of potential new customers but it is we all know this it's cliche at this point is that it's more time consuming and more expensive to be recruiting new customers but if you create the habit that when i engage with you i'm going to feel connected to you i'm going to feel more than just heard i'm going to feel listened to you're going to know me even if you're actually don't know me you just have like an index card or whatever the modern version of an index card is that reminds you i have a dog named leo Whatever the methodology is, I'm going to feel connected to you. I'm going to be loyal to you to the end of time. That's the selfish reason. Not to mention, you know, side effect is that you become a better human being.
0: This is great. And I think a lot of times we overcomplicate things and miss the power and the simplicity. This reminds me back to the uh, really pivotal book on persuasion called influenced by Robert Cialdini. He talks about, I think it's either six or seven principles of influence, but one of them was simply liking. We're more easily persuaded by people that we like. And if we are able to listen and just simply create that Trust, that loyalty, that connection, people are going to like us more. And simply because they like us more, it gives us a little bit more persuasive value to the things that we say. So that's what really unlocks the ability to persuade when it comes to listening. Just like you said, if you like the person, you feel a connection, you're going to stick with them regardless.
1: It's the little things. We recently switched mechanics. And I know that that's not necessarily negotiations, but following (laughs) here. Uh, mother of the person who owns the mechanic shop makes fresh baked cookies every day and they have them at the shop for people when they're dropping their cars off or waiting on their cars for their oil change or whatever. It's home-baked cookies. So we recently bought a fixer upper car to say the least. So we've been visiting the mechanic quite a bit because of the new car. Well, my favorite kind of cookie is peanut butter cookie. And I've noticed that the third and the fourth and the fifth time that I have brought the car in for something, we're working on the breaks. There have always been peanut butter cookies. So I actually asked a woman at the front and I said, just out of curiosity, do you always have peanut butter cookies? And she said, No, but every night we look at who has appointments for the next day and we place an order, and then those are the cookies we get. And you mentioned on the very first day you like the peanut butter cookies. Wow. This is an auto mechanic shop. Now and I know they have typed it into my profile that I like the peanut butter cookies. Having peanut butter cookies does not make my car run better, but it does make me only go to that mechanic. Right. So when you're doing sales and negotiations, even if it's on the phone or it's online, marketing, etc., what are you doing to customize your approach to that person? And there is a way of doing that that I don't think this is a cuss word but is douchey. And there's another way of doing that that is actually legitimately connected to the person you're sending it to. And you know the difference.
0: Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And that's a great story. That is a really good story.
1: They're really good cookies.
0: (laughs) Sounds like it. I was imagining it the whole time you were saying it. We are starting to come up on time, so I have to wind it up and ask you the final questions. But I think that the listeners have gotten a lot out of this, so I appreciate that. And I'm glad you were able to outline in such a practical way how we could become better listeners and the practical benefits of becoming a better listener. But before you go, I want to get your perspective on what type of mindset we have to have in order to become a better listener in these conversations.
1: That's a great final question. And again, these are really, really, really simplified things to do. They're just not easy to do. And what I would say, the most important thing for mindset is to ground yourself in responsibility. So if I'm talking to a barista at an airport or I'm picking up the call for my 40th cold call that day, you're responsible for the connection that you're about to make or the connection you're about to not make. And either way, whether it's positive or negative or successful or unsuccessful, you have to claim or reclaim the responsibility for that connection and understand that it's going to have an impact, positive or negative or both, on the next person you connect with. Um, The mindset around responsibility, I think, is really important. Again, a very disheartening piece of advice.
0: Because you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I think we often let ourselves off the hook by giving an excuse due to the environment, whether it's the person with whom we're speaking or the context we say, well, you know, I'm not going to create a connection this time and blame it on something else. Maybe we're tired. Maybe we haven't eaten in a while. Or uh, maybe the other person is being mean. And so we say, yeah, you know, I'm not going to do a connection. Not this time. But what you're saying essentially is if we take responsibility for our performance, we recognize that we are always in control of whether or not we at least make an attempt to create a connection. It is empowering because... It reminds us that we have that control over our behavior, but again, the reason why I jokingly say that it's disheartening is because, man, it doesn't get easy, and that's the thing that makes these difficult conversations so difficult. It's not that the advice is so complex. It's that the implementation is sometimes difficult to do because it doesn't feel good or it's exhausting or it takes effort, but that doesn't mean that it can't be done, so I really appreciate that point. I think you are the first person that has come on the show thus far. the final parting advice is who has said responsibility and but i think that's incredibly powerful
1: well thanks and remember you don't have to do this all the time like my big mantra i mean i wrote a book about this is to do the best you can with what you have some of the time it's better than nothing right so you don't have to make a positive connection with every human being every single time that's exhausting But notice when you're more inclined to and notice when you're less inclined to and keep what you want and edit what you want to change.
0: Oh, this is perfect. This is really, really good. Thank you so much for this. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much.
0: No, my pleasure. And before you go, can you tell the audience again where they can get in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing?
1: Sure. So you can go to goodenoughnow.com and learn about my book or my talks. You watch videos. And extra bonus is if you go to goodenoughnow.com slash freebies, F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S, you can download a bunch of free worksheets as well as a flow chart that I recommend using when you're calling or writing an email to challenge you and help you practice these better connections.
0: Fantastic. Thank you again. And thank you for those freebies. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. If you're liking what you're hearing, please leave a review and subscribe and tell your friends. Our goal is to help as many people as possible, and when you leave reviews, it makes it easier for people to find us in the searches. Thanks again for being a listener. I'll catch you in the next one.